This is When Spirit Calls, and you on your journey are in the right place. This show is about magic, miracles, and meaning shared through stories, interviews, and channeled messages. We have so much to share about who you are and your divine mission here on the earth. Let's get to it. When Spirit Calls is right now. Our guest today is the lovely Lisa Arsenault. Lisa is an intuitive transformation guide and the founder of Becoming Soulful. She is passionate about helping women turn a life of high-functioning anxiety into an authentic life filled with joy and purpose. After spending years ambitiously chasing the life she thought she needed, where self-worth was only defined by achievements and social status, she was left with anxiety, depression, people-pleasing, and perfectionism. When she could no longer keep up with the demands of maintaining this impossible standard of living, she embarked on a journey to find herself and her joy. It was that journey that allowed her to understand the ways in which limiting beliefs and fears hold us back. It takes so much energy to be who you are not. Lisa is now committed to guide others through their own fears and limiting beliefs so that they can find and embody the soulful, joyful life they deserve. Hello, all of you amazing, beloved listeners. I am so happy to be back with you as usual. And today we have our beautiful guest, Lisa, who you just learned about. Hi, Lisa. Uh, I am so happy that you're here with us. And, you know, we're going to dive right into things because I know you and I were chatting a little bit here and we have some common ground in the space of the Akash. And of course, you are this beautiful expert in the Akash who does these beautiful energy flow type of experiences in the Akash. And I want to know, how did you get there? What was the story? You know, I I always love to hear what is that journey that you went on to getting here and to becoming soulful. Could you share your story with us? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I am so grateful to be here and sharing with with you and your audience. But yeah, I say that it chose me. My journey chose me. I didn't choose it because I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that I'd be here (laughs) doing what I do. I would never have imagined it. So about five years ago, I was working as a like an executive level type job for one of like the top five banks. And wow. Yeah. So, it, but it was all about the climb, the climb up that corporate ladder. It was all about what my bank account said. It was all about um, all the letters and designations that I could get, that I could earn and achieve. It was all of the, you know, any sort of benchmarks of, you know, high sales or whatever I could get that made me stand out and make people go, she's amazing. I really like everything that she does because it's over and above what most people can achieve. But it's all in my doing this. Mm -hmm. All in right? You know, everything had to be perfect. So on the outside looking in, oh my goodness, I looked immaculate every day and I had this perfect job and this 
perfect bank account and this perfect life. Like, perfect, 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 perfect. It was all perfect. And I was miserable. Miserable. I was heavily medicated on at least four antidepressants that were to help me just function. Wow. And I was... And that was at a doctor's hands. Like that wasn't me trying to self-medicate. That was through a doctor. And I was going to a psychologist and I was still having a minimum of five panic attacks a day. Oh my God. I just got the goosebumps with that. Five a day. Minimum. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My life was horrible. Like, and I couldn't tell anybody because the shame to admit that something wrong, that my life isn't perfect. Ooh, no way. No way. I'll have the five panic attacks a day, please. Wow. You know, and I'd be sitting at work, working away and all of a sudden feel one come on and just excuse myself, go to the bathroom, have a full on panic attack, crying the whole bit, everything, pull myself together, come back to my desk like all of that didn't just happen. <laughs> back to my desk, like, nothing to see here, and go right back to that. Like, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I did it. I, 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 I And I did it. Right? Like, I'm just sitting here, and I'm just like, wow. Like, I don't even know. Like, I had one panic attack when I was pregnant with my second child, and it was so overwhelming. It happened at 3 in the morning, and it was, like, so intense. Can you share a little bit about that experience of a panic attack? Are you do you feel safe enough to do that? Because yeah. I I want those people that are listening that have had experiences with anxiety and panic attacks. I I want to connect some dots for them. So, like what what would cause the panic attack, and then what would be your process? Like, would you have trouble breathing? What would what did that look like? Sure. Yeah. So how I describe mine is because I would feel it coming on. And I cannot think of one thing that would trigger. If I was already really upset about something, it was a it was a real short trip to get to a panic attack. Right. Like if something triggered me that would make me cry or make me really angry, then that's a short trip. Yeah. But if nothing is going on and it's just a Tuesday afternoon, nothing going on, and I'm just working, no big deal. How it feels is you know those bands that they put around lo- lobster claws? Yes, yes, the little rubber bands. Yeah. Yeah. It would feel like those would suddenly get snapped around my lungs and I can feel it starting to squeeze and squeeze and I can't breathe. Wow. And I was so conditioned to having them that I wouldn't panic. I'd just be like, okay, one's coming on. And I just get up and go to the bathroom. And of course, then I'm hyperventilating because my body thinks it can't get oxygen and it's convinced that it cannot. There's a side of my brain that's judging the heck out of me. You know, you're so weak. Why can't you get control of yourself? You know, like just saying the most horrific things that you would never say to another human being. Right? Because you you just wouldn't. Like, I'm not that, you know? So, yeah, it would just, it was kind of like that. And so that would create the tears because now I feel bad that I can't get control and why is my life like this? And why can't I get control of it? And yeah. so all of those thoughts kind of go racing through while I'm still trying to breathe. 
Yeah. I would slowly be able to get control of it after like maybe two to three minutes. Like it wasn't like a long time. Yeah. yeah. But it felt like hours. I'm not going to lie. Like hours. Wow. Um, and then I get myself together and go back. Wow. I, you know, I thank you so much for sharing that because I, I really don't think you were alone and are alone in that. In fact, that what I'm finding is the more we start talking about this issue around anxiety, uh, the more people are like, oh my God, you know, I felt so much shame because my life looked perfect, quote unquote, right? And I was one of those people too. I share a very similar story, you know, high achiever, go, 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 caught in the doingness and then crashing and burning and feeling like so ashamed for not being grateful or for not being happy when I have the perfect life. And, and so I'm so grateful you shared that. And what's really interesting to me is that the five panic attacks were so conditioned for you that sharing your vulnerable truth was still worse than those panic attacks. Exactly. Like how deep rooted my shame was. Yeah. So what happened? What switched? So exactly like what you said, I crashed and burned. Uh, you what maintain that level? It was a house of cards mess, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't, it's not, that's not sustainable. You can't overachieve. I've overachieved. I overachieved for decades. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yes. <laughs> you know, but um, it's going to come down. It's going to come down. And when it came down, it came down hard. And because I had spent my entire life defining who I was and how I was as a person by what everybody else thought of me, Mm. when all of a sudden all of the cards are down and it's just me standing in the rubble, all that's in front of me is a mirror and I'm forced to look at myself. Wow. And I had never looked at myself before, ever. I always lied on everybody else. Uh, the inner voice, my inner critic was very mean. Right. She is a mean lady. And she would say awful things to me. So I would never look at her. I'd always look to everybody else. And so when I was forced to look at myself, I didn't think very much of myself. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I really disliked myself and felt that I was a burden to everybody. Oh, yeah, it was. I got real dark real fast. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. My partner, who I've been with for quite a few years, I adore him and I trust him. So when he looked at me and said, Babe, it's not your time. You have so much more to give this world. You, There's so much more for you. This is not your time. I believed him. And so I didn't see what he seen. I can't, at, in that moment, I couldn't see the value of me that he seen of me. Wow. But the fact that he valued any part of me, I trusted that I must be worth something. Yeah, that was enough. That something was enough to walk me off the ledge. And when I stepped off that ledge, I stepped onto this path of healing and I've never looked back. Oh, well, bless your partner's heart for seeing oh, you. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to him. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
So, you know, I think that's what happens to most of us, right? Where we keep going because that's what we know to do, right? We keep in the doing because that's what we're conditioned to do. And the reality is, is that even though we are responsible for our lives, we are not responsible for all the conditioning that keeps defaulting, right? That negative self-talk, that inner critic, that ego aspect that keeps beating you down, you know, that's been conditioned over many, many, you know, years, perhaps lifetimes, as you know. And so all of that conditioning requires us to give ourselves grace. And that grace is so powerful. And I feel compelled to just bring up that energy of grace because what sounds to me like happened with your partner is he gave you grace. When you couldn't give yourself grace, he gave you grace. And what a gift it is for us to be able to give others grace. And we do that by sharing these vulnerable truths. We do it by sharing our story, which is exactly what you're doing now. So thank you. Thank you for that too, Lisa. I, I want to talk about now your healing journey. So you you got off the ledge and now here you are like, what the hell am I doing with my life? <laughs> so what what happened then? Like, what was that healing journey like? And what are the things that you got out of that healing journey that you need people to know? So like I said, I started at ground zero, right? And so I didn't know what to do. And, but I knew I needed answers. Yeah. And so I was off of work. I couldn't function. I couldn't get off the couch. I couldn't do anything. And it was my lowest, lowest point. When I walked off that ledge, that was my lowest point. And from there, I went to a retreat. And I didn't know that I trusted my intuition as much as I really actually did listen to it because I don't know why I went to that retreat. I had no idea what it was going to be about. I didn't know anybody that was going to be there. Wow. And that's not my, that was not my thing. Yeah. Uh, And so I went on this retreat. I got one of my close friends to go with me. Because I was like, girl, I have no idea what this is going to be like. <laughs> I need some support. I don't know what they're going to make me do here. <laughs> I would like some backup. <laughs> so we we went. It was all about loving yourself. Mm. It was an entire retreat about loving yourself. It was eye-opening to say the least. To say the least. I left there. I felt so raw and so seen. And I'd never been seen. Oh, I'm I wore so many masks, right? That it it started. And then I'm like, okay, what what do I need to do now? So then, you know, I start taking all of these courses because I just all of a sudden I'm interested in crystals and I'm interested in oracle cards. And I'm, what am I doing? Right. And I'm taking Reiki and I'm taking all the levels. And then I'm, you know, like I'm doing all these things. And then the girl that hosted the other, that retreat, she had a second retreat. And I just signed up blindly. I didn't read what it was about. I just signed up. It's <laughs> like, sure, the last one was fun. And when I went on that retreat, I had what I would call a spiritual awakening because I cannot figure it out. Let nothing. There were people in the room with me when it happened. We were all awake. 
but they didn't experience what I experienced. Right. And then I had to put context around that because my ego could not understand at all what had happened. So that's where I connected with a shaman. Okay. Found a shaman. I worked with her on healing myself. Yeah. And the first day that I left her place, I walked out of there and a voice in my head said, someday you're going to do what she does. Wow. And my quick retort was, I don't even know what the heck just happened in there. I am <laughs> definitely not going to do what she does. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right? And here we are five years later and I do what she does. Yeah, of course. Oh, right. So I worked very closely with her on healing. She opened me to a lot of different things, a lot of different things with energy. I worked through a lot of past lives. I worked through a lot of, you know, just trauma in my own, in this lifetime. And in doing so, all of a sudden came this huge calling to be of service. And I could not ignore it. Mm. It was it was so loud. It was deafening. Yeah. And she had just started to offer a mentorship. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm going on the mentorship. I don't know why I'm going. I'm just supposed to be there. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm just going to trust and surrender to it because it's the only thing that, like, I literally was like a strong magnet pulling me. You know, fear was calling you. Yeah. Oh, and it calls loud, 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 loud. So I went, trusted, and I went. It was a very intense time. That was a really crazy learning. You learned so much about your your medicine and who you're here to help and why and how and what that all looks like. And wow. So I came out with just a really better sense of who I am but also a better sense of my gifts are. Okay. So, yeah. And so from there, I've just been working with people and I did that for just to see if I could do it. I, I, it took a long time for me to even believe that what I was doing was real. I'm like, oh. I'm saying that because you're nice. You know? So it took a good two years of me just practicing. Yeah. And, those people coming back to me and going, you know, you're really impacting my life. You should be charging for this. Like, I would come see you every week, you know? Right. So, yeah. So that was when Becoming Soulful was birthed. Oh, I love this uh, name of your business, Becoming Soulful. And so how do we become soulful, Lisa? What What are the steps? I mean, you went through your crash and burn. You went through your spiritual awakening. You know, but what what were the, some of the steps that you took along that way that were like, oh my gosh, I I need to educate people on this, or I need to share this with my clients so that they're not feeling the burden of this human world that we're in. What can you share about that of how we can become more soulful? So for me, my my goal is I know that I wasn't the only person. I probably wasn't even the only person in that building that was going through what I was going through. So. I want to catch those women before they hit the ground. Yeah. Before they crumble, before they crash and burn. Yeah. There wasn't anybody to catch me. But once I learned that you don't have to live like that, yeah. oh, I just need to tell everybody. I just want everybody to know 
You don't have to live like that. You, I love I that. Panic attack in years, in years. I haven't had a panic attack. I don't take medication. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, what you said might sound simple, but it's so powerful. You don't need to live like that. And I hope that those of you that are listening that are living like that, that you give yourself grace, but you recognize, hey, wait a second, maybe it doesn't have to look like this because it doesn't. So I love that. That's a powerful, powerful statement. Thank you. So so now we know that we can make a conscious choice of becoming soulful before we crash and burn. (laughs) Okay. So now I made the choice. Now what? You know, what's... What's some of the processes now that might be beneficial for me? So um, my program is called uh, Live Your Joy. Mm. Ultimately, that's where I want to get you to. Yeah. You get you from a place of high-functioning anxiety, and I want to hold your hand and guide you through the muck because it's going to be mucky and get you to the other side. And on the other side is living your joy. I didn't even know what my joy was. Right. My joy was whatever everybody else needed me to do. Yeah. So how did you find your joy again? What was the thing that helped to lead you to your joy? Honestly, gratitude and mindfulness are huge for me. And I I visit them every morning before I even put my feet on the floor. Mm. Gratitude and mindfulness. And, you know, I mean... Those seem like obvious ones, but I think sometimes, again, we don't give enough merit to that piece of gratitude of, you know, what what we do have. And then, of course, the mindfulness is about being present. So what are the things you do to keep present in the moment, in the now? What are some of the things that you do to anchor yourself to the now? I can, I just, um, you know, hand on heart, eyes closed, and I take a couple deep breaths and I just feel that life force energy going into my body and I feel myself rooting and grounding myself in and then I just I'll listen to the birds or I'll listen to even just if I'm in my house what are the sounds that are happening right now they might not be woo woo crazy of you know astronomical but I can hear them yeah I can hear them you know and if I open my eyes I can look around I can see something or I can batch something, I can smell it. I just, I stay in the moment and I stay so grateful in my heart. And gratitude was really hard for me. It was really, really hard in the beginning. And it's, it's my operating system. Mm, Wow. Yeah. So it can switch. It's not something that you have to keep a list on your wall, but you're going to check up. Right? Yeah. It can start that way. But it doesn't have to end that way. It actually, it feels so good to be carrying gratitude in your body that you do it every day. Mm-hmm. No, I commented on a post from somebody yesterday and it said, what's one thing that you could not go a day living without? And I, my immediate answer before I even realized what I put down was a heart full of gratitude because I do not. I'm, I'm filled with it every day. Every day. That's really amazing. And I actually really appreciate that you said that at the beginning, it was hard to find the gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're in that state of like, my life is falling apart, right? It's hard to find sometimes. And so even though it's hard to find, what you're saying is keep looking for it. Keep finding the gratitude, which I think is really powerful. 
density from your heart. As that density starts to clear out, it makes you yep. for gratitude. Gratitude is a high vibration. Yep. So when you clear out the muck, you make room for the light. That's right. You know, and so it doesn't, gratitude didn't even feel, it felt foreign in my body. Uh, and I started to even try to feel it. I'd be like, oh, this feels fake. Like this isn't yeah. real, you know? But I was persistent and I just kept going and kept going and I trusted and kept going. And now, you know, obviously your life is a rainbows and butterflies every day. But, yes. you know, we still pay an arm and a leg for gas and groceries. <laughs> and that's but I'll say the life stuff. Yeah. I, um, stuff happens and sad things happen and unfortunate things happen and frustrating things, right? Like you can't stop life, but... At the same time, you can regulate how you respond to it. Yeah. And when I can feel myself becoming a trigger, becoming triggered by something, I can actually feel it. And I'm so uncomfortable with that resistance now in my body yeah. that I will stop and I step back and I can actually separate myself from it. And then I'm just like this curious person, like, but why does that make me feel that way? What is this about? And what is this trying to teach me? Or, you know, like I'm I'm a curious observer at that point. And yeah. that's when I start to actually shift and it makes changes. You just said something really important there because that curiosity, that curious traveler in you, I think is so powerful because I, I think that's one of the ways that you found your way to joy again right? Of like, oh, hmm, I wonder where that feeling's coming from. But I wonder what would also bring me joy. And I want to circle back to, you know, your program, because you, you know, it's about finding this joy. And for the people that have felt like they lost it, yes, we can have gratitude. Yes, we can have mindfulness. But what do we do if we don't know what really brings us joy? Like, is there a technique? Or is there something that I can do that will help me to find the joy? What I've found is that it's hard to find your joy when your mind is so busy. So busy. Right? I have to do this and I have to pay that bill and go get this and uh, do that. Yeah. Right? You're not going to, it's not going to be like, oh, all I have to do is, you know, snap my fingers and spin around and I'm going to find it. It, it. That's not, you know, you really have to quiet your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And when you can quiet your mind through, I like meditation. But it doesn't even have to be, I tell my clients, like, you don't have to sit and do this. Yeah, and set, set the time aside. Yeah. Right. Do you like to garden? Do you like to do the dishes? Do you like to sweep the floor? Do you like to take a bubble bath? Whatever. You can be, do you like to take a walk in the woods, right? You can be doing something and quiet your mind. But it takes you to that space where your mind is just blank. And when you can get to that space, whatever that looks like, and your mind is just blank, that's when you just need to listen. Because your soul wants the joy. Your dad experience the joy. Yeah. All you have to do is listen. It's not a cookie cutter. Oh, here's your joy. It's going to light me up might not be what's going to light you up or the guy down the road or whatever, right? So it's about quieting your mind 
so that you can listen. And that didn't happen for me overnight. No, it's a process, right? Again, the conditioning to being overstimulated, go, go, go. And so it's something that we all get to practice is coming into a bit more stillness. You know, it's like from the doingness to the beingness that we are, right? And that's I, that's the journey you take them on from the doing to the being. And I think that's so powerful. Um, as you were speaking, I just had some messages come in that I want to share as well. And one of the things that, you know, some of my clients have done in the past is when they forget about what they do love and what they do find joy in, you know, they start by making that joy list or that love list, right? What are the things that bring me joy? And they start writing them down. And I think I've shared this on the podcast and I'm going to say it again for our listeners because I think it's so powerful. You know what they forget on their love list? Themselves. Oh, yeah. Every time. Every time. They forget themselves on their own love list. You know, they say, oh, I love being exercising and I love traveling and I love this. And nowhere on the list is them. And so I wanted to bring that to the surface um, for our listeners. But I heard this question. And this can be applied to anything that we do. What do I love about blank? What do I love about doing the dishes? Oh, I love the warmth. I love the bubbles, right? What do I love about doing laundry? I love that I can go hide downstairs in my basement and have a few minutes of quiet, <laughs> right? What, what do I love about whatever, like working, like whatever it is, even the things that you think that you hate, you can bring this question in, what do I love about blank? And all of a sudden, it's like we start to actually see the value in all of the things versus getting caught up in the, oh, this is so burdensome and so uncomfortable and so heavy, right? <laughs> you can even say, what, what do I love about being sick right now? You know, again, you could use it. What do I love about losing this loved one? You know, like there's, there's, there's an opportunity again, like you said, to choose consciously how we respond. Yes. And, and so that statement, what do I love about blank? Just, they just wanted me to share that. So there you go. Now, now you've got that in your, in your toolkit too. <laughs> powerful tool though. That is. Isn't if it? You said it. I could see a lens be switched. Ah, beautiful. Right? Yeah. You know how like they do that at like the optometrist? But I could well, see. That was it. Yes. Ringless. Yes. And that's not to say we're accepting the mediocre and accepting jobs we hate and accepting like, you know, that's not what we're saying. But it is giving us an opportunity to start leaning into that joy and leaning into what we can be grateful for when we're struggling to be grateful. So you've given us so much to think about in terms of the gratitude and the mindfulness and, you know, finding that joy. And I thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing your vulnerable story. Because again, when we share our story, it's like medicine, right? For us and those receiving the story as well. And so I thank you for that medicine today. And I really want to celebrate that you've chosen the path of this divine connection with yourself and really getting back to yourself, you know, that inner critic, getting that ego to the side and being able to really step in and to be able to guide others. I mean, that's, that's the magic right there, I think. So yeah, it sure is. So any final words? I know you've got a gift to give our audience, which is so exciting. 
Uh, but before that, is there anything that, that we didn't cover that you feel like is missing or you need to share with everybody listening? I don't believe so. So um, the way that my program works is it's structured for your healing. So it's not an online course that you can take because it's not cookie cutter. And so it's basically we work virtually, but we work one-on-one together and we walk through the pillars and the pillars are discover right? Discover what is going on, right? What What is keeping you so stuck, right? And once we discover, then we're going to learn how to release it mm. or let it go, right? Or reframe it or shift it, right? From what it was to what you want it to be now. Mm-hmm. Changing the mindset or change. It's a lifestyle transformation. This isn't, you know, cookie cutter anything. No, sure. And once we release them, we're going to reconnect. We're going to reconnect with who, who are you now? We just took out a whole bunch of muck. Yeah. Right? And learning who that person is. And then the last one is to shine. Because once you reconnect, then I want you to just love the heck out of that new person. And your soul is naturally just going to shine. It's trying to shine. But you got a whole bunch of muck from a whole bunch of conditioning that you didn't even consciously take on. Right? Yeah. So that's blocking your shine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's blocking all sorts of things. Our clarity, you know, people are like, I don't know what direction to go. I'm like, well, we need to get rid of the muck first, right? And exactly. it's like, obviously clouding the view. So that leads us to our gift then. Uh, so you are offering, because you're an Akashic reader as well, by the way, for our audience, you guys, Lisa's also an Akashic expert. And so uh, the piece of this, though, that's different is that you actually do an energy flow cleansing. Can you explain that? Yeah. So um, prior to the reading, I want to know a few questions of kind of where you are and, you know, kind of where we need to focus because I want to optimize the 30 minute time frame. I want to give you best bay for not even your buck because it's free. (laughs) For your time. (laughs) So, um ask a few questions and then I will send a list. I'll email you a list of uh, other questions that could be pertaining to the Akash specifically. Beautiful. Just so that I have a really good framework to start with. Yeah. When it starts, I want to connect with your aura. I want to connect with your chakras, your energy centers, and I want to open your Akashic records. And then from there, we're going to, I intuitively just, it's driven what I say is once I connect with you, I'm not driving the bus anymore. I'm just guided, right? And I just trust and surrender. And that's when the magic happens. Oh, so magic. Um, it's to gain clarity. So the reading is going to help answer the questions. It's going to help eliminate your gaps of where be, that are holding you and keeping you from getting where you want to be. Right. If that's finding your joy, if that's... yeah. Whatever it might be. Money, finding a partner, whatever it is, it, whatever that piece is, it illuminates that gap of what it is that's holding you back. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that idea of aligning the chakras, clearing the aura, really getting a clear sense of what's going on there because it is the foundation from everything else for everything else, isn't it? So 
uh, beautiful gift. And that link is going to be in the show notes, folks. So look for that if you haven't found it already. And if Lisa uh, resonated for you today, please do reach out. This is a gift that she is giving you. This is her service to the world. And so it is there for you to receive. So practice that receiving, everybody. Lisa, <laughs> this has been so wonderful. Thank you for shining your light on our day today, on my day today. I so appreciate it. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will be with you again next time on When Spirit Calls. Bye for now, everybody. Bye. So happy you could join us today. And we hope that you found comfort and inspiration with wherever you are at right now. If you feel you received a gift in today's message, please pass that gift along to a loved one by sharing this episode with them. To continue this conversation, please join me at rosehope.ca. And when you do, be sure to access your free gift by signing up for the When Spirit Calls newsletter. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again soon.